Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Torsky Tuesdays. I'm your host, Hanani Abraham, and we are in the middle of going through happiness and the pursuit of happiness through the teachings of Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Torsky. We left off last podcast with a few questions regarding the concepts and the source of happiness, where to find it, what are we missing, what is to blame for our lack of happiness. And I think that's a very good point of this concept of blame which we are constantly looking for reasons and excuses for why and how things happened, when, whether it's for ourselves, why our spouse or our child turns, turns out a certain way, why the economy is a certain way. Maybe the weather has an effect on what it is that we accomplish throughout the day. There's always a bling that comes about for things. So to jump in over here on the bottom of page 7 from our, our book, Rhetorsky starts off like this. I once said only in half jest, there are four rather than three essentials to life, food and water, clothing, shelter, and someone or something to blame. It is surprising how easily we assign causes to things without closer examination as to their validity. Validity. The following story exemplifies the predisposition to transfer blame to circumstances outside ourselves. I think this story is one that we can all relate or see ourselves in in some way, shape, or form. When Edgar was 16 years old, he found himself disconnect. He was doing well in school, participated in sports, and did the things that most young men his age would do. Edgar's parents were kind and caring. His father was a mill worker who provided adequately for his family. At the end of the workday, he would kick off his shoes and sit in front of the TV with a can of beer. His mother was a competent housewife who tended to Edgar's and his sister's needs. The family attended religious services, albeit not regularly, but in general, it was a pleasant home. But Edgar was disconnected. He had little interest in high school. Although his grades were above average, he was bored. He believed that once he entered college... In the field of his choice, he would be more motivated. He thought he might become a pharmacist, and for the first two months of pharmacy school, he was rather enthusiastic. However, as the semester wore on, his interest waned, and he concluded that pharmacy was not his thing. He then switched to business administration, but again, as the novelty of the course wore off, he himself found him he found himself brooding. Just before we continue over here, or just a word on that, I think this concept of what it is that we're looking for, yes, that thing on the other side of the street or on the other side of the hell, that sort of sometimes gets us to a place where, oh, if I have that, that will make me feel better. And it does. It does make you feel better, but only for a small amount of time. When the honeymoon stage wears off, we lose this concept of that overall satisfactory feeling. Edgar... Edgar finally concluded that it was he was not cut out for college, and he took a job as an appliance salesman. He was quite, quite successful, began earning good money, and felt upbeat. When he began to feel unhappy yet again, he reasoned that he was lonely. Most of his co-workers had families, and he thought that he would be happier if he, if he were married. So Edgar married a wonderful young woman, and he did, indeed, find himself to be happier. He was promoted to store manager and became a father. His life was quite busy, but when he had spaces of time, this old dejection came back. Edgar now attributed his unhappiness to the increased stress at work and to the fact that their baby had a 
heart problem. Although the doctors reassured him that the child would have a normal life, Edgar could not stop worrying. The second child was born healthy, but his wife developed a postpartum depression that was very stressful for Edgar. Now again, this story as of now probably cannot necessarily relate to everybody, but I think in some way, shape, or form regarding the things that we do, this could be very relatable. Let's do one thing that will make us happy, and then we get distracted along the way. So we lose the sense of that feeling of that disconnect, and we're good with what we're doing. But then when we have a few moments, whether it's before bedtime, a plane ride, a walk, when our family or spouse is not around us, when we're by ourselves alone in our thoughts, that's when we sort of start feeling that dejection again. And I think that's what's happening throughout the story here, different periodically, different parts with Edgar. Eventually, Edgar was promoted to district manager. His income increased, and his wife's health returned to normal. When he once again felt disconnected, he attributed it to the stress he was having at work. He was now responsible for six stores and dealing with disgruntled employees. He was also concerned with the problems of their children were having at school, and that about his son had been caught with marijuana. By the time Edgar was 56, most things had settled down. Both children had married and were financially independent. He had expanded the business and things were going well. But why was he still feeling unhappy? Of course, it's the house we're living in. Things would be so much better if we lived in the suburbs with a state-of-the-art home and a spacious lawn. They found a plot of land and the next three years were occupied with architects, designers, contractors, and subcontractors. There were always something going wrong and more than enough to justify for the disconnect. Finally, the home was complete. The carpets and the furnishings were in. The drapes, the lamps, the pictures were in place, and the lawn and the bushes were beautiful. The first several months in the new home were quite great. Friends visited and commented on the beauty of the new home. But Edgar's unhappiness returned. Now what? There was really nothing he was lacking. He began to think of the spats he had with his wife over the years and how she never did value his business acumen. She had never really appreciated him enough. He realized something he had never considered seriously before. His marriage was a failure. The ensuing divorce, however, did not eliminate his disconnect. Apologies. I've been reading this word as disconnect, but it's really discontent, which is a very big difference. To the contrary, he had lost the companionship of a wife who had really loved him. Edgar then consulted with a psychiatrist who prescribed antidepressant medications, none of which relieved Edgar's discontent. Edgar also saw a psychologist who tried to discover the roots of Edgar's unhappiness, but to no avail. What Edgar had not considered was that there was a part of him whose needs were never met. Throughout his adult life, there had always been things to which he could attribute his discontent but it had never occurred to, uh, to Edgar to think in terms of spirituality as the path to happiness. I think sometimes a person coming to that road, like we were saying before, of the spiritual deficiency syndrome that Dr. Torsky is talking about here, that could take a long time for a person to get to, but it's also the most vital part is not only getting to that point of realizing the SDS, the spiritual deficiency syndrome, but it's also having this concept of where am I, what's happening, what's the awareness that's around me. Through this concept of the awareness, and you could have, you could have some content, 
you could be okay with the way things are, but this wanting more, understanding what that feeling is and being in a place to be able to have a sense of self to know that, okay, this is good, but what more? How am I going to feel satisfied? I think this point is something that in some way, shape, or form we've all experienced, whether it's regarding our, our religious understandings and our striving for more and better, whether it's in relationships, whether it's financial, whether it's personal, whether it's regarding our health. All these concepts of I am okay with this or I am content with this, that doesn't mean that you're satisfied and put your feet up. But there's still a concept of being able to understand that there could be more or that there is more. And what that is, is coming to the first realization that I have something that I want more of. So I am this way. I do things this way. Okay, great. I'm okay and satisfied with this. How can I do more? And I think that's one of the things that we're going to start talking about more is what is or how does a person get to this spiritual deficiency syndrome in the first place? So we'll start off chapter two over here, but we'll continue a, a little bit with this more next time. But just to start off, in my early days as a, as a psychiatrist, Dr. Torsky writes, I joined the staff of a state mental hospital where I was assigned to a unit of chronic patients, many of whom had been hospitalized for years. To acquaint myself with the people who would be under my care, I arranged to review their medical records and to meet with them. When the nurse ushered one patient to my office, I exclaimed, My God, she has no thyroid. Her facial features were classic for someone who had severe thyroid hormone deficiency. I reviewed the patient's medical record. She was 57 and had been in the state hospital for three years. Previously, she had been treated for depression in two community hospitals, but when she had not responded to medication or electroshock treatment, something that is not practiced anymore today, she had been deemed to have an intraceable depression and had been hospitalized for indefinite care. I think this brings up a separate point over here, which is not really the point of this podcast recording for today, but in general, the concept of a person finding care for themselves and the importance of finding the proper care. Maybe we'll get the chance to spend an entire episode on this, but this is very important. And sometimes the care itself can lead you down a path to more care. When really the point of care, when it comes to mental health, I think the goal of therapy should be for you not to be there. You shouldn't be in the therapy room for the rest of your life. That's what the ultimate goal should be. And sometimes when a person is set up to be on a certain path for a treatment they're trying to do, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's an end to a road. And sometimes that itself is the, is the end of just being in treatment, and that's going to get them better. And I don't think that's the way it should be in psychotherapy, because there is a point where you can say, I'm here to get better so that I don't have to be here. And you who are looking for the help, or anybody looking for the help, has every right to be in full control of this feeling and of this mission of not being in therapy. Going back over here to finish the story. When I checked the records of the community hospitals where she had been treated, I found that no thyroid evolution had ever been done. Severe thyroid deficiency can result in depression that will not improve with antidepressant treatment and can be cured only by supplying a missing thyroid hormone. We started her on thyroid hormone treatment immediately. 
Her long-term depression improved dramatically, but she had made an adjustment to the state hospital and did not feel that there was a place for her, quote-unquote, in the outside world and the community. The label mentally ill had been attached to her. This case marks my point. If a person suffers from a deficiency condition, nothing other than the missing substance can remedy the condition. Let's read it again. Nothing other than the missing substance can remedy the condition. That if you don't put in the proper piece regarding what's happening there, nothing will get better. You can give the best treatments in the world, but if it's not going to be implemented properly, it's never going to have any sort of help to what the person's going through. He continues, this patient had a thyroid deficiency and had no chance of recovery without thyroid hormones. A person with an iron deficiency will not improve with all the vitamins in the world unless iron is prescribed. This is true of all vitamin and mineral deficiency conditions and of human deficiency conditions as well. 100% true in regards to mental health. If you're going to be dealing, you could give someone the best skills and the best tricks and tips in the world. But if you're not focusing specifically on filling that void in the way it's supposed to be, nothing's going to come of it. The problem lies in the lack of a proper diagnosis. When the cause of a condition goes unrecognized, the treatment is not going to be successful in alleviating the problem. If we are unhappy and don't recognize that the cause of our, con- of our condition is exactly that, that we are unhappy, we will remain chronically disconnect- uh, discontent. We will be placing the blame on incidents, on relationships, or on phenomenons, or try to find remedies in all the wrong places, and will still be unaware of the true cause, that, and we will still be unhappy. I think this is a good place to stop for today. But this is so, so true, is that if we're trying to find the right answers without also realizing the journey itself and that pursuit of the happiness, and to find ourselves fulfilled... That itself is just as important. It's, there's no one answer that's on the other side of the street or on the other side of the hill. It's the journey itself that's going to help us get there. And hopefully that will bring us to a place to be able to have this happiness fulfilled inside of us. Thank you again for tuning into this podcast. As this is a new endeavor of mine, I ask and request for all questions or comments, advice or criticisms as I believe this is a process that is something that I can use some growth in myself. And this is a new endeavor for me. So please email me at koshercounseling at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you.